The Science of on The Money Show. The Science of brought to you by Bitvest Bank. Trade with the global specialists in corporate international payments. When else did you go into a bookshop and just look around and you've never been into a library with so many books and you go, who publishes these books? Who puts them on the shelves? How long do they stay there? How long does it take to sell a book? When the book is sold, does it even cover the cost of the paper and the printing and the delivery to the bookshop? How do the economics of a book work? It seems like an insane business. Terry Morris, chief executive of Pan Macmillan. I mean, a guy like Ken Follett, for example. I think you guys publish Ken Follett, yep. don't you? Yeah. Um, he's written his fantastic 21st century, uh, 20th century trilogy, starting yep. with the fall of giants, World War One, and then he goes into World War Two, and then the Cold War era. Um, and is an extraordinary writer. He's written thousand-page epics. He will sell millions of those around the world. That sure. makes sense sure. from a book writing perspective. But that's Ken Follett. That can follow it, and um, the big brands are getting bigger and bigger around the world. Um, it's not a business to make a lot of money in if you're a new writer starting out. A mid-list author is very tough. We're certainly not in it for the money. Most of us are in it for the love of the books. But actually, it is. It, is, it has become quite a big business with a lot of consolidation in the industry. You're finding um, bigger companies, uh, uh, sort of Penguin House and Random merged uh, last year. The um, Random Penguins, yes. The Random Penguins, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, HarperCollins have just bought out Harlequin, the big romance publisher. So it is starting to become big, big business. And part of that is what's happening in the market and part of it's a reaction to Amazon and, and the growth of the big digital players. Um, so, is there still a place for the printed book? For sure, definitely. And and we see that because um, for the first year ever, digital sales have declined. Well, uh, the percentage growth is uh, has declined. Slowing. Okay. And slowing. And um, so certainly there seems to have been an evening out in, in, in the market. Um, and that's really America leading the way and we're seeing um, other markets following. Uh, I went on holiday probably two years ago. And the biggest difference between where I'd been on holiday, it was on holiday to Mauritius. Um, and you know, five years before... Um, the, all the, the lounges were littered with books and people had piles of books next to their lounges. And then 18 months ago, Mauritius, there were just iPads and Kindles littered all over the lounges. And, and that struck me, as, especially people on long-haul travel and all of that sort of stuff. The download is incredibly popular as a mechanism to, to get books delivered and to read them. It is, and it's it's a it's a wonderful way to take ten books on a holiday. It's 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 moving with technology. It's fantastic, but it certainly replaced certain genres like your mass market fiction, your romances, your airport reads. That that's we've seen a high pickup in ebooks. Uh, I bumped into Chris Gibbons uh, in uh, exclusive books in High Park the one day, uh, and I said to him, "Come on, you're a technologically minded guy. What are you doing in a bookshop?" <laughs> and he said, "This is where you come for the books you love, the ones you, you will look at forever, the ones that you'll be proud to have in your bookcase. Um, whereas you know all the stuff you don't want to people to know that you read, like um, what was the sword? Fifty Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades. There we go. The Fifty Shades. I know somebody who bought a Kindle." For that book, for the for series. that book, so that she sure. wouldn't be seen on aeroplanes <laughs> reading Fifty Shades. She that, that was all those people in Mauritius were reading that. Probably, probably. probably. Um, but, but how big is the book publishing industry in South Africa? How many are there of you in terms of publishing sure. houses? Uh, so the the industry is uh, dominated by the education players in this country. So if we look at the market overall, it's about four point three billion. If we look at just trade publishing, and that's the the kind of books you'd find in a, in a bookstore, fiction, kids books, um, it's closer to a billion. 
Of that billion, um, interestingly enough, about 200 million is religion, and that's where we're seeing enormous growth in this market. But you look at the, 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 the explosion of cum books, for example, yeah. these yeah. are the bookstores, the, the Christian bookstores, yeah. and there are lots of people in them buying books. And Gospel Direct, they're chains, they're three ma- major chains devoted to religious books. So big, big um, uptake in this market in religious books. Um, and Afrikaans, Afrikaans books are very uh, strong. Um, of the local books, 38% of the books sold in the market are, are local, and of those, 50% are Afrikaans. So very vibrant. Uh, Sorry, market. that number, I just, you need to. Sorry, so, so about um, 38% of the books sold in this market are loca- locally published. Okay. The rest are imported. That's big. So a third of the yeah. books sold here, which explains yeah. why people like yeah. yourself are as prolific when it comes to finding local authors yeah. to tell local stories. Exactly. And I think in any market, you see that, especially on the non-fiction. Um, people are, are parochial. They're local. They want to know about their politics, their economy, nature, um, uh, wildlife, guides. It's, it's, um, it's, mm. a very, it's a burgeoning market. So 38% of books in South Africa that are sold are local books, and half of those are Afrikaans. Yeah. That's yeah. another st- astonishing statistic. Huge. And it's, it's, uh, there's some incredible Afrikaans publishers out there. Uh, a lot of books only published in Afrikaans that, that the English market sort of never gets to. Um, and what you're starting to see is, is bigger names being published simultaneously. In but, but also we see the rock star writers, the Diomeyers yeah. of the world, for example. Um, yeah. The latest book is Cobra, Cobra, yeah. um, and written in Afrikaans and then translated to English. And yeah. lots of Eastern European languages, for goodness sake. I mean, Huge. how many yeah. South African writers are translating their work Elsewhere, well, I, mean, I say translate. I don't mean into other languages, sure. but what the, their work is crossing borders. It's small. It's it's still incredibly small. Um, you have you have a, a layer of them. I mean, Dion Mayer's La- La- one, Margie mm. Orford, yes. um, Lauren Bukas, mm. uh, very big. Some of the classic writers, uh, you know, Gordimer, Jam Kutsia, um Andre Brink, those kind of writers. But it's incredibly tough, um, and and especially trying to break authors into that market. In fact, it's easier to break them into the European markets, um, in a funny way, to sell uh, translation rights in France, Germany, and then onto the UK and the US. Um, English language rights sales are. are I, I just my my favorite story, my favorite publishing story was the Stieg Larsson trilogy. Yes, um, the girl with the dragon tattoo and all of that sort of stuff, and how he was huge in Sweden, mm. um, and then they decided to translate it, and they put them in bookstores in London, and nobody would read the books. Yeah. And like, who wants to read this stuff? I mean, it's dark and gloomy, and it's about Sweden, which it's it's either dark or it's snowing, and it's just miserable. Um, and so they started being really clever and really innovative with their strategies and leaving books on buses. And leaving books on park benches and basically littering um, Britain with these books. And then people started reading them, realized they were wonderful, started Mm -hmm. talking about them. And that created the market that went out and bought them. I mean, it's that kind of genius that gives me hope for the future of publishing. Exactly. And that opened the doors for many other translated um, authors, uh, European authors in, in the English language, because everyone was looking for the next Stieg Larsson. So now people are turning to Germany. They're turning to um, Norway. Uh, so, so it's been interesting to see how that's really opened up the market to translated uh, works. Mm. And, and in the States. Uh, earlier on, you said that you don't get into this. If you're going to write a book, you don't do it because you want to make lots of money in South Africa, unless you're Mandy Ween and you sell tens of thousands <laughs> of killing kebble, of course. I hope um, she's at home writing. Uh, I hope. Uh, uh, is she, uh, does she write for you? Yes. Oh, are you, are you a punishing publisher? Because she says terrible things about you. No, um, but, but that's the point. I mean, uh, the, she's, bu- she's busy on a book with Barry Bateman at the moment. Um, and, and you've got to be 
massively committed. You've got to take an mm. enormous amount mm. of time uh, to do the research because once these books are in print, geez, then the errors are there in perpetuity. Exactly. And once they're in print, that's also when the hard work starts because the writing is one part of it. And the other is going out and selling and promoting and marketing. And that's, that's enormously time consuming. And so for a lot of people, they can't do that. You know, day jobs get in the way. But it is uh, fiction, nonfiction, you can still make a bit of money as a writer, not necessarily a li- make a living. But, but fiction is really tough in this country. And, and uh, we really struggle to sell a lot of local fiction. Why are we not fans of our own stories? I think I think it's a it's a it's a tricky one. You you're up against world fiction. You're up against the next Ken Follett, the next Stieg Larsson. Uh, so so reading about your own experience. Oh, well, you'll pick up a nonfiction book that deals with corruption and pick crime and politics and, and the radio. Yeah, exactly. So people sort of use it as escapism, um, and I think that's one of the reasons. I think there is a lack of reading culture in South Africa. Well, they, Definitely is a lack of reading culture and a lack of sort of promotion of our own authors and and uh, I think it's starting to change because because um, uh, because of these international deals and and it's become a lot more high profile. These international deals. Well, I mean, Lauren Bucher, Dion yeah. Mayer. Um, uh, is there a is there a pub, is there a publishing industry in South Africa in any language other than English and Afrikaans of any substantial scale? Certainly in the education sector, and they publish mm. across all eleven languages. That's pr- very significant. I mean, last year they saw growth of. 55% the education publishers um, that was because there was a curriculum curriculum implementation in, in certain grades um, but but sadly we're not seeing those kind of books um, in all the different languages in bookstores accessible uh, to people uh, there's, there's there not be, enough of a market but okay now there, there was the question um, <laughs> where does uh, what comes first the chicken or the egg when it comes to publishing in other languages yeah. if you provide the material will it be bought will it be read if you don't provide it you'll never know um, so what does the research tell you well there's a lot of there's a lot of publishing in kids books across all 11 languages and even in those books that are um, in bookstores we, we really struggle to make money to sell you know, we get a lot of returns we, we rely heavily on the library and, and schools market so certainly on the kids area we're not seeing that market why are all South African kids books about warthogs and leopards and lions <laughs> oh come on <laughs> Do we lack imagination? No, I think that's changed. I think that's I changed so. radically. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, you, go, you I mean, you, <laughs> you want kids to have you know, read local stuff, um, and, and you pick them up, and they're just somehow a lot. Of, and they're, they're one or two nice books that I've come across. But they lack some of the magic. They lack some of the lyrical magic. They lack some of the, the rhythm. Gruffalo. We don't. We don't have a where uh-huh. our local gruffalo. Aha! Uh-huh. So. Oh, uh-huh. we need. <laughs> I don't know, the Amatola Low or something. I don't exactly, know. Um, exactly. we, we, we need a version of that, but not a copy. Um, and we do have magnificent children's writers. It's just, it's, it's really difficult to create these high profile brands um, because you're up against a lot of money and a lot of investment coming in on books and brands from, from the States and the UK. I'm thoroughly enjoying talking to Terry Morris this evening, the Chief Executive of Pan Macmillan, the science of books and publishing. Any questions for Terry Morris this evening? If you've got that great idea and publishers have been slamming doors in your face, this could be your opportunity. She's so generous and kind. She let Victor write a book. She lets Mandy Ween and Barry Bateman write books, for goodness <laughs> sake. She'll let you write a book. The Science Of On The Money Show are you to blame for the Real Meal Revolution? That, that's the book that tells you eat bacon and cheese and lots of steak. Um, Tim Noakes' book. No, sadly. Um, 
Although, although part of me thinks, well, I, I don't want to be on the one promoting heart disease down the line. But, um, <laughs> but uh, the fact that they've sold close to, I think, now about 120,000 copies uh, is just remarkable. But in South African remarkable. terms, that's an extraordinary... In- incredible. I think, it's, I think it's close to... I think it's sold over um, uh, the, the first 50 Shades of Grey, which sold, I think, about 98,000 copies or something in the year that it was released. This is now sitting on 120,000. And but, this is published by a, 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 an unknown publisher. Well, known in the industry, but, yeah. but uh, a small, uh, a very impressive uh, publisher called Quivertree. It's, it's literally a three-man show. Um, they produce beautiful cookbooks and lifestyle books and um, they've, they've this, stumbled across is, this incredible... Is, is this, is, you say stumbled. No. Uh, is, is that professional jealousy speaking? Or, no, or, or no. When, you, when you get a manuscript, you know, this is going to be fantastic. Um, and you then nurture and guide and, 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 and make it beautiful, or is it a bit hit and miss? It's very hit and miss. <laughs> I'd love to say that. I, you know, it's okay, this gut this feel is, and you is, make it work. This is not the science of publishing. <laughs> this is the hit and miss of publishing. Well, <laughs> so much of publishing is about gut feel and yeah. understanding the industry, but actually that's changing. A lot more of it is data-driven. It's about analytics, um, seeing what's worked in the past. But certainly this book for them, they did a remarkable job and they, they, they took a chance on a book that was maybe um, – a little risky because they're four authors. Um, Tim Noakes is one of them, but who knew? And, um, you know, hats off to them. They've done an incredible job. Um, what what books have surprised you most in the last decade? Um, you know, I say they surprised me in terms of our local, yeah. locally published books. Um, so certainly The Killing Cable, that book, you know, we sold out literally within the first week and went back to print and went and back. And that and sold probably 80,000 so far. It sold, yeah, about 85,000 copies. Incredible. Um, the Frank Chicani surprised us as well. Mm. Um, eight Days in September. Yeah. You know, it had been released as a series of newspaper articles. So part of, part of our thinking was, well, people have seen it, they've read it. But again, that book in three days was sold out. We had to reprint. And there's an incredible energy and excitement when that kind of thing happens. But to be honest, they, those are few and far between. Um, and a lot of it is just solid, hard work behind the scenes. Uh, the, the number that I hear Jenny throwing about that 5,000 is a South African bestseller, it sounds too tragic to be true. The amount mm-hmm. of blood, tears, toil and sweat that goes into producing <laughs> the book, then into yeah. marketing and, and selling your soul in order to move books. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I look at people like Clem Santa, for example. And Clem, um, is, him and Rousseau, I think, yeah. publish his books. Yeah. They're tiny little books and uh, you know, he and, and, and Chantal Ilbury write one of these quite, quite often. He must have 10 or 15 books out in the market he's got to do all right out of it because he's not a stupid guy he's got to make some money at some point he's got a great platform and that's that's what we also look for with Mm. authors have they got a platform have they got their own sort of market they can uh, they would uh, present to speak to and and someone like clem is on the speaking circuit he'll sell his books at the speak on the speaking circuit out of a briefcase briefcase, not in a bookshop and that's that's what it's all about so Mm. sadly you know, you might have a great, great book concept. A concept no one's heard of you. It, it might work against. So, if somebody's a buddy author, um, local fiction, you, you you better love telling the story because it, it's probably unless you can get it across borders, unless there can be some kind of relevance or some kind of uh, interest in what you're writing about. If the story is universal and you simply localize the characters. You, you might be onto a good thing if, if it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, literary fiction, I think one also has to go back to the role of publishers. And we're also in it for the cultural, you know, we're in a cultural space, an intellectual space. So a lot of it also has to come down to amazing 
quality writing. And so a lot of uh, sometimes we will subsidize the fiction publishing from our other publishing because we can't we don't consider ourselves local publishers without publishing great South African fiction, even if it sells yeah. you know eight hundred copies to a thousand copies. Um, but isn't that, that and then you know somebody sells a thousand copies and they bring another book back to you? You go. Oh. Do we really have to? Um, because at that point, surely you must be losing money if you're not. If well, you know, if the reviews are good and you're winning awards and you're shortlisted, it's it, there's a certain sort of brand. Uh, but that isn't that interesting also that because that. just because it's not selling, it doesn't mean it's not brilliant, and it doesn't mean that it's not exactly. going to win the awards. I exactly. mean, you go to the Alan Payton Awards or whatever. It's not necessarily the best seller that wins the awards. It's the the make the book that makes the best contribution to culture or or, or is the most relevant, perhaps. Mm. And 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 that attracts other authors of quality and and good writing so uh, that in itself um helps mm. uh, uh, the list. who who are the, who are the great authors at the moment in south africa who's who's getting it right most well uh, of course dion mayer yeah just uh, ramping romping through the charts um wow there's so many um i think yeah in terms of fiction, Lauren Bucher, she's just released her second book, yeah. doing incredibly well. We're seeing a whole lot of this dystopian fiction coming out now, and that's starting to do incredibly well. People like Charlie Human. Um, we've got, uh, he hasn't written for a while, but people like um, John van der Reit with Spud have done incredibly well um, in he the He needs past. to write a new one, Potato. Or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be taken. But, I mean, Post boarding school. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, 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 I grows up and, and, and sports books are always doing well in this country. I mean, you know, we had the Mark Barcher. You've got this new book, the Jonathan Kaplan book. It it, it astounds me. There's this absolute bottomless or endless demand for for sports books. The so sport does well. Uh, religion, uh, as I said, and cookbooks. Cookbooks very well. And fad um, books. Fad books, cookbooks, and um, their celebrity chefs do brilliantly. Um, whether they're local, Jan Bry, Ruben, mm. or, or international, we've just had Matt Preston out, which was uh, wonderful. He got absolutely swamped and uh, mobbed in places. But so, celebrity chefs, a big, a big hook. A fascinating insight into the science, or the hit and miss, of publishing <laughs> this evening with Terry Morris, the chief executive of Pan Macmillan in South Africa.